Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the A to Three Eleven Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter on episode seventy. So, on this week's episode, we're coming at you, hitting fast and hard with some college basketball the XFL, the MLB, and, of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. This is going to be kind of a uh, an episode that just, I don't know, I, I don't want to talk about college basketball. So, can I mean, we just skip it? I mean, we could, but we we are like a, like a Cyclone Sports podcast. We have so to stay true to our roots. Kind of like, even through the bad times, we got to talk true. about it. True fan. Otherwise, otherwise, we'd be fake fans, like all those Cubs fans who just got on board when they won the World Series. You don't want to be fake fans like them, do you, Wyatt? I mean, I'm not one, and I don't really hate the bandwagon fans, mostly because they're gone now, so it doesn't really bother <laughs> me at all. They didn't, so they didn't make it last year? No, they didn't, and I don't think they'd stick around for this year, even if they wanted to. But it's going to be fun. Our... Uh, is David Ross even back yet? Was he there at the game? They won the spring training game against uh, the Mariners today. But uh, David right. Ross is out, out with the flu, last I checked. Well, I hope he'd be there because he's their manager. Why did they hire well, David Ross? I think that's a bad managerial decision. I, I also I, agree with Mike's opinion, but... Yeah, we'll talk about that more in the MLB segment, maybe. Sure, why not? Add it to the outline. Go for yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Go for it. But for right now, we should talk about um, kind of what's developing in the NFL and the new CBA agreement and what has kind of been uh, thrown out with that so far. Mike, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So in what turned out to be like a fast moving process um, over this past week, the NFL owners approved a new uh, collective bargaining agreement that would take us through the 2030 season. Um, and they approved it and uh, sent it to the players for approval. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um, so the interesting points about this collective bargaining agreement, two things that it would do should it get ratified. So key here is should it get ratified by the players it has not yet been ratified by the players so these changes are not yet effective but should it be ratified um starting this upcoming season uh for this 2020 season the playoffs would expand from uh six the current six teams in each league to seven teams in each league um, so adding one more playoff team to each league just as another wild card, that would leave only the number one seed in each conference as a buy, um, as opposed to the current number one and two seeds we have now. The other interesting thing, and this is sort of what we knew was coming, is they would cut uh, preseason games by one down from four to three and add a 17th regular season game. Now, even if this is ratified, this would not happen in 2020. The collective bargaining agreement gives the owners the power to add it any year they want between 2021 and 2023. So some, if this is approved, you can bet that probably in 2021, because the owners are going to want that extra game as soon as they can get it, um, that... Um, we will be looking at a 17-game regular season in the NFL, 
Um, as far as what the players get out of it is concerned, um, they get, um, I believe it is up to 48.5% share well, of, so, of the revenue. So right now it's set at, technically it's 48% uh, right now. They have room to go up to 48.5%. And uh, I can thank the Pat McAfee show actually for this. I was listening to their podcast yesterday or on Sunday this week while working out and they were talking about the CBA and the money. So the NFL values uh, that basically 1% over the 10 year span of the CBA to be uh, the NFL is valued at $32 billion. So 1% is $320,000. So that's $320,000 that is getting shifted to the players. Sounds like a lot of money, but over the span of 10 years, it's not a ton of money. So if the players obviously get that extra half percent, that's adding another $160,000. So potentially $480,000 is up for grabs. But in as from what I've heard, the players really want it to be a 50-50 split, but the owners don't really want the players to think that they have the same value as ownership so that they'd be worth 50% of the profit sharing. So that's kind of a mess. And that's going to be what the players are going to be arguing about and arguing for um, in the coming months, weeks, months, and potentially over this next year. Yeah. So, and there's also, also uh, for the players, you know, there's some extra uh, retirement benefits, benefits after your playing career, mental health services, um, it made marijuana no longer a suspendable offense in the NFL, and it also set up a um, a joint arbiter between the Players Association and the NFL for deciding disciplinary matters uh, in contrast to the current matter, or the current way, which is Roger Goodell gets to decide everything. So those are some of the other interesting features. But like I said, this hasn't been approved so what happened is over, I believe it was over the weekend, the or late last week, the ownership sent this to the players to be ratified. Um, the player, the executive player committee or whatever, it's a group of like 12, 12 player representatives um, from the Players Association, ended up voting not to, um, not to endorse the plan, which doesn't mean that it's dead, but that carries weight when uh in the next week or two i think um it's going to go to a full union vote so every um nfl player who played un paid union dues for the previous season will be eligible to vote and all it would take to approve it is a majority of the players that vote um so not a majority of the players in the union a majority of the players that vote to approve um this collective bargaining agreement, and then it would go into effect immediately. The owners have basically said, this is your offer for this year. And then if you don't approve this, we'll start, we'll talk again after, in next off season. Cause the collective bargaining agreement does not, has not, is not over. It extends through yeah. this next season. We're, um, Cause we're a year out still. This yes. is, this is all like being brought to a head very, very early in the game. Yes, which is good. It means we're likely to avoid another labor stoppage, hopefully. But so 
yeah, so just keep the so the two biggest things as far as the average NFL fan is concerned is going to be that extra playoff team possibly starting here in 2020 and the uh, 17th game starting probably in 2021. And along with that 17 game is a second bye week for every single team. Um, what this allows for in the NFL's eyes is more chances to take teams internationally. Um, so that they have that bye week so that they have time to travel back um, and play, be able to play like in London or uh, in Mexico City and in other places potentially as well. So another bye week. This does make the NFL season obviously a little bit longer with the 17th game, an extra bye week. Uh, the Super Bowl could potentially be played as late as President's Day in uh, the month of February rather than when it was this year on February 2nd. So. Yeah. So worth keeping an eye on how the players vote here coming up in the next, I don't know when this vote is scheduled. It'll take a couple of days once they actually issue the vote, just cause it's a lot of people to get votes from, but that'll be something to keep an eye on. Keep your ear to the ground about that to see if your team could be slightly worse than previous years and still make the playoffs uh, starting next year. And speaking of being worse, I didn't think the Iowa State basketball season could get worse. But it, it has. It, it got worse this last week. It it totally got worse this last week. Kyle, you want to fill us in on the ugly details? Two 20-plus point losses, won a 20-point road loss in Lawrence, which obviously we weren't expecting by a long shot to win that basketball game. And for a while, it was close. Iowa State was, we were, we were shooting lights out from three-point range, which is the only way to keep us in that basketball game. But it's really hard to win a basketball game when you give up 50 points on the road in the first half. Um, and lack of defense was the motto for this week, apparently. Um, we just couldn't stop KU on their end of the floor. Um, and obviously our offense isn't good enough to keep up with them point-wise. Um, and that just showed. And then a game that was supposed to be much closer in Hilton on Saturday became a blowout pretty much the Iowa State was in it for only 12 minutes of this game and then after that it was a double digit lead for Texas Tech the rest of the game um one thing that didn't help is Iowa a combination of Iowa State's lack of defense um as well as Texas Tech's fantastic day shooting from the floor um they went 72% from the field in the first half, and they were also 9 of 11 from the free throw line in the first half, which just translates into having a really, really great offensive production in the first half, clearly. Um, one interesting stat that was brought up during the game, ESPN actually did had a great stat on this. Iowa State and I guess I'll, I'll mention this now. So Fran Fraschilla earlier this week, um, one of my favorite uh, color commentators for um, ESPN and college basketball made a comment that Steve Prome is or is right now suffering in his um, excellence in recruiting. And that that being with 
obviously Lindell Wigington has now gone to the NBA and Taylor Horton Tucker went to the NBA early. Whereas if we had those two players this year, this team would look completely different. This record would probably be flipped the other way around, at least if not better than that, um, rather than being a below 500 team this year. And obviously that shows in ESPN stat where Iowa State lost Iowa State's lost production from last season. They lost 68% of their points from last year, 71% of their three-point shooting, uh, 55% of their rebounds, and 67% of their assists on the season were lost. Now, that obviously was due in part to um, Nick Weiler-Babin. Obviously, this is exaggerated with the now with the loss of Tyrese Halliburton doesn't help anything, but... Um, it just, it, it has all culminated to a very poor season for Iowa state, especially when we don't play defense. The only bright spot from this week is what Mike, uh, put in the outline and what he, what I have noticed as well is Solomon young since being benched and inserted back into the starting lineup since that time, he has played fantastically. He's shooting over that period of time, he's shooting north of 70% from the floor, north of 80% from the free throw line, and has been the rock that Iowa State has needed. Consistent play, great play. He has avoided foul trouble except for the KU game. Um, but in the second half of the KU game, avoided foul trouble and played uh, played hard, played aggressively, played downhill, and were, was able to get some early baskets in the beginning of that second half, which were needed points for Iowa State. Um, Solomon Young is making a case to be uh, a great player returning next year to help the younger guys like Xavier Foster coming in. Um, but as Mike said, and I'll let you allude to this, I also don't like the way that Prentice Nixon is playing right now. He's take he's forcing a lot of shots very, very early in the shot clock, thinking that he has to put the team on his back. And he's also taking shots two or three steps in from the three-point line. Exactly. So it, it is, That's it is what's getting statistically me. the worst shot from the floor in yes. college basketball. Right? Just, just think about it, right? So as you would expect, shots, right, you have a lower percentage of making shots the further out you get, right? Hence the reason why Udoka Azubuke for Kansas shoots north of 85% from the floor because all, all of his shots are freaking dunks. He's an incredible. He had an incredible game against Baylor, by the way. Yeah. If if our listeners didn't watch that KU Baylor game, you missed out on probably one of the best games, basketball games that, so far this season. It was, it was a fantastic it, game. Yeah, it was awful. Sorry. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Right. So percentages goes down. So right, if you multiply right, so your points per attempt, right, we'll call it. There's probably an official name for this stat, but I'm going to call it points per attempt. Just multiply the value of the shot if you make it times the percentage chance you make it, right? So if you take a long two, right, let's say your toe's on the three-point line, right, and you're a 40% three-point shooter, right? Since your toe's on the three-point line, that's a two. Your expected points are two times 0.4. Wow, math is hard. Somebody help me out. Two times 0.4 equals 0.8. Got it. Your expected points per attempt is 0.8. Where if you're just behind the three-point line, let right, and you shoot pretty much the same percentage because it's basically the same shot, 
you go three times 0.4, boom, all of a sudden you're at 1.2 points per attempt, right? That's a 0.4 points per attempt difference just by keeping your foot behind the three-point line, right? That's why those mid-range twos are the worst shots in college basketball. I would much rather have people take contested threes than open mid-range twos just because your points for per attempt are so much higher on those um, on those threes, even if they're contested, than those mid-range twos. Moral of the story, Prentice Nixon, stop taking mid-range twos and long twos. I'm going to get upset at you, and I'm gonna keep, you're going to keep making me not happy. Don't make me not happy. That's the moral of that story. I guess I guess the one thing that may, the silver lining of this game maybe is the Cyclones didn't have as many turnovers, which has been something that has plagued them all season. At least Razier Bolton and Prentice Nixon played under control more and took care of the basketball, which is something that they have to do going forward. But right now, I don't see this team getting out of the bottom four of the Big 12, so they will be playing in the first game of the Big 12 tournament. The team has come out and said that they have aspirations of making it out of that bottom four, but I don't think there's any way that they can. There are definitely some winnable games left on the schedule, but if they keep playing the way that they did this week, they ain't winning many more games this year. So, yeah. Yeah, the next two games, in case you're looking to watch for some reason, are going to be Tuesday, 6 p.m. against TCU on ESPNU, and Saturday, 3 p.m. at Oklahoma State on ESPNU, are the next two games. I'll be watching both of those games because... Unlike a lot of people in the world, I'm not a Fairweather fan. I support through the thick and the thin. I will watch both of those games. There you have it, folks. And therefore, then I can actually bring educated, educated content to this podcast for all of our listeners because that's what they love to hear. So, speaking about educated content, I'm going to speak uneducatedly for a little bit here and all that i know is what i've seen from uh scoreboards and stat sheets of what happened this weekend in the xfl apparently another weekend did happen um and four teams did win and yeah that's 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 the story right there um so i'm gonna go through the scores for the week uh the first game or I guess not technically the first game, but the Houston Roughnecks uh, won in a shootout against the Tampa Bay Vipers. The Vipers finally were able to put some points on the board, but it was definitely not enough. The Houston Roughnecks are looking like a very dominant team uh, led by their, is it PJ Walker or something like that? He has a combined, um, I did see this stat, he has a combined 11 touchdowns through the first three games of the season. He's playing very well at quarterback for them. The St. Louis Battlehawks were home for the first time making use of the dome in St. Louis that has been empty after it was vacated by the St. Louis Rams. Uh, And they won in a homecoming against a very, very horrible New York Guardians team that is still, uh, as I had mentioned last week, they had some uh, controversy between the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. That spilled over into this week again. They were bad. St. Louis won, uh, so St. Louis is looking good as well. Dallas uh, went out to Seattle 
and one, their second road uh, victory in a row. They are now two and one. So Dallas won with a final score of 24 to 39. And LA, in somewhat of the surprise of the week, got their uh, first win of the season against the previously undefeated uh, DC defenders. They won with a final score of 39 to 27. So with your standings, first off in the East, uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks are in first at two and one. The DC Defenders are in second at two and one. The New York Guardians are one and two, and the Tampa Bay Vi- or Vipers are in fourth place, and they are winless. Over in the West, the Houston Roughnecks approved to a three and zero. The Dallas Renegades are two and one. The LA Wildcats improved to one and two and the Seattle Dragons dropped to one and two. That is first through fourth in the West division. And like I've been doing every single week, I will bring you a rule that we are talking about uh, in the XFL. And this week it'll be the double forward pass. So in the XFL, they have implemented this double forward pass to uh, help with some excitement on offense, introducing more trickery, more trick plays uh, so with this rule, if a team completes a forward pass behind the line of scrimmage, that team may throw a second forward pass as long as the ball has not crossed the line of scrimmage during the entirety of the play. So this did happen in a game already. I believe DC, either DC or Houston ran this in a game. Uh, and what happened, it was actually DC who ran this in a game. Uh, what typically happens is now what you see in the NFL a lot of times is a very safe pass. It's called the touch pass where the quarterback gets the ball and then a wide receiver is running a jet pattern across behind the line of scrimmage. And he just touch passes the ball to that wide receiver, basically a jet sweep, but it's not, but instead of a handoff where there's more room for fumbling, it is a just a touch pass Um, that counts as one pass. And then that wide receiver can run out, parallel to the line of scrimmage as long as they don't go past it and then they can throw the ball downfield it happened it was a touchdown exciting play um but once that ball has passed the line of scrimmage no forward passes are permitted uh so obviously in the nfl and college only one forward pass is allowed per play um and the rationale for them adding it is the double pass is one of the most exciting plays in football as they claim even though it doesn't happen and the XFL aims to add excitement while maintaining traditional football. That's thus the reason why the double forward pass was implemented. So that's all we have for the rule for this week. We will talk about overtime next week. But right now, our producer is complaining about how we are overtime on this episode. So we'll just push ahead. We'll just push ahead. That's not true. You just wanted to say that you couldn't say your overtime rule because we're going overtime, which isn't uh, that's, that's not actually true. Uh-huh. He actually didn't, because he did actually say didn't the, say it. Did say in the outline, just one rule, please. That's true. I did say that. So. Because I want to talk about baseball. Spring yeah, training started. Baseball games have started. I was able to listen to baseball while I was sitting at my desk working today, and it was awesome. So what we're what we're learning here is that Mike is getting paid to listen to baseball and work. I also put four little lighty shiny thingies 
in a little shaky thingy and made it do the lighty shiny and the shaky shaky at the well, same time. Well, I'm, I'm glad you never have to talk to your clients because they would have no idea what you're doing in life. No, it's, it's their device, so they know exactly what it. They would understand that description. They would look at me funny, but they would understand what I did. <laughs> I'm confused. I put the light. I had four lighty shiny thingies that were on my desk, and there was a shaky shaky thing in the lab. And I took the four lighty shiny thingies from my desk and put them inside the shaky shaky thingy. And now the lighty shiny thingies light and shine. Well, the shaky, shaky thing is shaking. So well, you made a shake weight that you're supposed to use at a rave. That's, sure. that's what I'm getting out of all of this. Sure, you could so, say that. So since since we were founded and developed as a sports podcast, could we get back to sports rather than just just uh, electronics and shaky shake weights? Yeah, I'm I mean, fine with that. We could. Perfect. We could. Love it. Yeah, I don't know. Is there any? There's nothing. We. I mean, it was the first couple days of spring training games there was nothing super exciting that happened as far i mean jose altuve got hit by a pitch on monday that was pretty fun to watch he's yes. gonna get that's gonna happen a lot this year he's gonna get beamed was, was it altuve or was it correa One i'm taking the i am taking the over of 83 and a half oh easy mash that over easy. i am we all took the over didn't we yes so i'm also taking the over yeah yeah. Mash that over. Yeah, it was Altuve so, who got hit. Yeah, um, and then so yeah, does it, also, our, did I hear that our producer actually wants to chime in about baseball a little bit? Oh, we were just talking about David Ross earlier. That's all that I was going to bring up. Yeah. So yeah. I did look, yeah. and David Ross was not at Saturday or Sunday's game. He was sent home by the uh, what do they call the athletic trainer guy. That's on the team. I don't remember his name. Sent him home because uh, he had flu-like symptoms. I didn't want him getting the team sick, which is fair, I guess. But he was there today for uh, today's game. Had the coronavirus? I mean, no, but you know, better safe than sorry, I guess. So I mean, yeah, like, David, David Ross. David, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Like, I get MLB's hopping on this whole former player, young player, friendly manager type thing. I mean. But- with like the likes of Carlos Beltran, but Alex now he was the shortest. But now he was like the shortest manager in history. Right. Of the Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, Rocco Baldelli with the Twins. I mean, I get people are hopping on, but I don't know. David David Ross didn't strike me as somebody who would like to manage baseball. Like I don't know. I thought he retired because he was done with the grind of a baseball season, and I That's get it less hard. physically than it is. You know, it's less of a physical grind, especially a catcher versus a manager. But still, right, when you just retired a few years ago because you were sick of the grind to go back to it, I don't know. We'll see how he does when you When you look at Ned Yost, like Ned Yost for the Royals just retired so that he could spend more time with his family. I got that impression from David Ross when he retired. Like he he was getting tired – as as a player, but he was also getting tired of being like that committed with that much time the entire season. Because you go from February, and then if you make the playoffs now, potentially into November, mm-hmm. it's a ten month season. It's a grind. Really. It is a grind. So I don't. I just. I was. 
I was honestly confused with the hire. I thought there were other managers out there that the Cubs were would have preferred to hire. Um, I get that he was in the system, kind of keep a level of consistency there, but I guess it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do for the team and with the team that they have. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's enough about David Ross, unless Wyatt has anything more to add. Um, I mean, not not really. I agree that I've – I mean, Mark, Mark Loretta was my, my number one pick for manager. He was a former bench coach. Um, yeah. I'm not upset with David Ross being hired. Um, I'm excited for him, but I'm, I'm not – not holding my breath on how well the season's going to go. I hope he does well, but – I mean, yeah, I, I like David out, Ross. You know? I think yeah, he's a good guy. I do too. I, I really liked him. I had no issues with him at all. It's just an interesting hire. I, I'm not going to. I ain't going to. Unlike the issues that I have with the Astros hitters. Wasn't he on Dancing with the Stars? Was he? I think I so. No I'm so not that much into like pop culture, so I don't understand stuff like Ross, that. Ross, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. David Ross was on Dancing with the Stars. It's wow, David. look at that. Mike knows more about. Pop culture. Look at that. I got the pop culture right. Let's go. I'm ashamed of myself. Can we move on now? Yeah, you can keep going if you'd like. Or we could just dwell on it for a little bit. No, we're going to move I'd rather not. Yeah, kind of awkward. Anyway, in this week's Mike's Stupid Rules segment, we are going to talk about one of the things. Kyle, stop touching the outline. We are going to talk about one of the things that makes hockey fantastic that came up this week. And that is the rule about the emergency goaltender. We've already talked about that. Oh, yeah, this was fantastic. I want to talk about it again, but we've definitely talked about it. Let him talk about it. It is super relevant. I like it. It's great pressure for all of our I looked it up and it hadn't happened since 2018. So I was like, oh, that was pre-podcast. We probably haven't talked about this. So we I was going to talk about it. We did. We did. Oh, That's okay. Man. Talk about I'm... it again. It's been, it's been well over a year. Probably. All right. That just sort of scrolled back on a little bit, though. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue, though. I do want to hear it again. So this came up because the Carolina Hurricanes over the weekend. Um, Ooh, had to... the Hurricanes. Yeah, that's why it's the Hurricanes, because, uh, because AAF stuff. Anyway, yeah. um, the Hurricanes had both of their goaltenders get injured in the uh, by the middle of the second period of their game. So they had to bring in the emergency goaltender. So with the emergency goaltenders, every stadium, so not every team, every stadium has to have an emergency goaltender on hand at every game, right? Since goalie is such an important position in hockey, right? You just have to have one. So every stadium has to have an emergency goaltender. He is available for either team in the game, not just for the home team, for either team in the game should both or all of their active, most teams just carry two active goalies, should both of their active goalies get hurt in that same game, that, um, that emergency goalie, comes in, signs a contract with the team, like in the locker room as he's suiting up, signs a contract, uh, $500, uh, his game-worn jersey, and it counts as an official tryout with an NHL club so other teams could sign them um, too, right? It qualifies as official tryout, things like that in the collective bargaining agreement. So, right, 
signs just suits up and goes on the ice. So for Carolina, it was the Zamboni driver. Right? I think actually this was in Vancouver, right? So maybe it was Vancouver's Zamboni driver. But right, it's just the uh, just the Zamboni driver comes in and is playing goalie. Now he gives up goals on his first two shots. The game was three one in favor of Carolina. He gives up goals on his first two shots and it's three three, but saves the rest of the shots for the rest of the game. Carolina goes on to win. He gets an NHL win just as a Zamboni driver off the street who is coming in to uh, to boo the game. The emergency goaltender in hockey, one of the greatest things in sports. I love it. That is awesome. That is one of my favorite things about hockey. Yeah. Just the fact that the rules stipulate you just have to have some guy who can come in and play goalie. <laughs> Just some guy. Fantastic. Yep. It doesn't happen in any other sport. No. I, I, I however, should not uh, get signed up as the emergency goalie. Uh, I played four minutes of goalie in Brimball this year, and I uh, let in two goals on two shots. So maybe emergency goalie is not my calling. Oh, shoot. That's not good. No, it's not good. We were going to lose the game anyway. We were already down 4 nothing when I took goal, so... I was pretty good at goalie when I played youth soccer, but that's just because I wanted to be goalie because I was fat and I didn't want to run. So Now you like running. Yeah, I know. Yeah, look at me. I used, and then I went to cross country and I ran mm-hmm. and I like running. But it's fine. It's super fine because we're going into the write that down prediction segment, which means that we need to potentially take items off the board in our accountability session. Potentially we do, potentially. but actually we don't. I know. I actually looked at the list this time, so it's not just a fluke. We actually had nothing come off the board. Next, I really we'll- enjoy weeks like this because it means that I haven't made a stupid prediction. Next week, we're probably going to have a prediction come off the board, and it'll probably be a long one from you, Kyle. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I actually know which one is coming off the board. And if I were Steve Prohm, I would have... Uh, oh, well. I'm not Technically... Thinking. Technically, we can't take that off the board until, like, the season's over, right? Yeah. What if, oh. what if they go on a run through the Big 12 tournament, right? They could play – what if he – They, they said, could play four games in the Big 12 right, tournament. exactly, and he could start all of them. So, technically, we have to wait until the end. So, You're right. anyway, nothing in the accountability session this time. So, let's move on to the predictions. Kyle, what do you got? So, my prediction goes to the fantasy world, which is actually reality. Uh, and I, mean, I will win. I will win one of my two fantasy basketball leagues, and I will I will is, provide is, evidence. So the the other two hosts of this podcast do have access to one of these leagues, so they will be able to <laughs> tell, tell that if that happens. Just, but my just, other we, league, we both forgot that we were yeah. in that league until Kyle made this write that down prediction today. So yeah, sorry about that. Oh, in my in my other league, I will have to provide you photographic evidence in a in the form of a screenshot that I have won, and I'll oh, yeah. even do it live so that you can see. I'll share my screen on my computer, and you can that's, see it. That's that's fine. I mean, I didn't really have an issue. What, how what is what is your me. position in the uh, in your other fantasy? I am I am twelve and five. I am 12-5 and five in both leagues. I am in fourth place in the league that includes you guys, and I am in third place in the league that 
uh, in my other league, but the person in first place is, uh, what is it, 17? He's like 18 and 2 or whatever. No, that doesn't add up. 12 and 5. He's, he's like, he's only lost one game. 18 and negative (laughs) 1. He's only he's only lost he's 15 oh wait hold up he's 15 and 2. And so far he's scored uh nearly 2000 more points than I have this season. So it sounds like to me you're not going to win either league. No so, because Arion and Emma are going to battle it out to win our current league. Yeah. So I'm also going to be kind of rude and give you a triple. Okay, that's fine with me. Yeah. Triple is fine with me. We'll go with that. Okay. What do you got, Mike? Yeah, I've got a real complicated one for you, so stick with me. Ready? Ready. All right. I'm, so, I'm sticking to you like glue. One at-large team that makes the NCAA tournament will finish at least 10 spots in the net rankings below a team that does not make the NCAA tournament. Did, did you get that? Yeah. Questions, comments? Yeah, especially because you explained it to us earlier. I mean, yeah, but maybe you had more questions come up before then. So. It's not It's not really that complicated. It's just there's there's three no. levels to it, right? There's there's layers to it, like yeah. an onion. An onion has layers. So that do makes ogres, I've been told. What else it does? Ogres, I've been told. What? No way. Oh, that's trick. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a single for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll say I mean, it's, it's gonna happen. Yeah, I yeah. think. Just looking at the net rankings, it's it's totally yeah. gonna happen. I think so. That's okay. I, I'm I'll, glad you brought that up. I'll take my single. Right, I really brought that up because I want people to think about the net rankings and how they're gonna be used. That's right. Before you go fill out your bracket after Selection Sunday. Go study how the net rankings were used and how the seedings and how the teams that made it reflected on the net rankings. That's incredibly interesting. Please take some time looking at that before you fill out your bracket after Selection Sunday. That is all. Okay. I'm going to throw it out there that Kansas will not make the Final Four. I mean, okay, I so predicted... So piggybacking off of what Mike yeah. made a prediction of last week? Oh, did you? Oh, crap. I yeah, know. I predicted that none of KU, North Carolina, oh, yeah, Duke, right. or Kentucky would make the Final Four. Oh, crap. I mean, I mean we can let you use that. I'll roll with it. Uh, yeah, you can roll with it. I mean, there's nothing against the rules about it. I say... So, just for reference, I got a triple for that prediction last week. I say double because there's less components to it. Well, they certainly can't be a triple. I was going to say a single. Yeah? Uh, A third of the teams, a third of the bases. So you're going to say that KU will definitely not make the Final Four is what you're saying. But a third of the bases is like in between first and second. (laughs) A third of the the bases that I got for, right? A third of the bases, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm following you now. I'm good at math. I'm an engineer. Yeah, yeah. What, what was Lighty, two shiny thingies four? and shaky, shaky thingies. I'm a good engineer. What was two times point four? Two times point four is point eight. See, I got screwed up on that one because I tried to 
instead of just just multiplying the point four by two, I tried to multiply the two by point four, and that didn't go as well in my head. See, because I was multiplying by a fraction, so I was gonna try to do you know two times two is four, then divide that by five, and four divided by five is point eight. That's what I was trying to do. After that expert guest lecture in math class, um, I will I will join Mike on the single train. Got him. So you're saying KU's not going to make the Final Four? Like 100% no, for they're, sure? They're Choke City in the NCAA no tournament way. in 2008. No way. Got him. That's crap. I want to say that's crap. You should have given me a home run for my last prediction. Then you would have gotten a double for this. No, because it's not, it's not It's not. one-third as likely as yours. I, I understand there's three teams, but like that goes up exponentially. Which actually hurts my case. So, uh, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for also talking yourself into it. <laughs> we Gucci. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. Hazel is uh, telling you about Josh's prediction. Josh yeah. predicts that Brewers will win three out of their next, at least three out of their next five spring training games. Uh, who are they playing? Who cares? It's it doesn't tra- really matter. Spring 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 training. Training game is a toss-up. Yeah. So, right, it's three, choose five with 50% odds, double. I don't know. I'm saying double. I'm going to say double. It's hard to pick a spring training game because it's literally. Right. It's a crap it's, shoot. It's such it's a toss up. Spring training doesn't mean anything. Wait, it's three, choose five with the set? I don't. I was I was always really bad at combinatorics. So, anyway, yeah, double's cool. That's All right. cool. That's a- yeah. All right, we got a triple, single, single, double. Sounds like an awesome burger from Wendy's, which I had for dinner last night. It was amazing. I love Wendy's. We should be sponsored by Wendy's. I would be the best sponsor for a Baconator. There is, they they do have the best Twitter game in the land. Uh, do they? Because Taco Bell was pretty on point at one point. No, but Wendy's Twitter game is better. Wendy's right. game is literally top-notch. I believe you. So, with that, uh, we will let you know that our Twitter game is not top-notch. Um, but you can follow us at 8311cast on both Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter Instagram game is awesome, so be sure to check that out. Give us a follow. Check out some Twitter? of our awesome things. We do have a Twitter. We just don't oh, cool. use it. I mean, so, I, I don't Twitter. Twitter is toxic. I, I don't know how to Twitter. I don't know how to, to tweet. Twitter? Twitter? Twit? Twit? No. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh... So, thanks for listening to episode 7 of the AVAT 311 cast. We appreciate you sticking around, and we will be at you, back at you at it again with the All Things Sports in Your Beautiful Ears. So, signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!